Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Town Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. We've got some dogs in this house. The Cleveland Cavaliers show incredible toughness and beat the Boston Celtics. But before we get that, I have to mention that support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects, and connecting with me now via Zoom is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'll tell you who collaborated well last night, the Cavaliers' defense. Uh, okay, storm back from 19 down. Yes. Beat the Boston Celtics, who I will hate forever. That's what I've learned. <laughs> uh, there's just something about them. I just hate them. Um, and I, I just, you know, those those two, those two uh, late 2000s wounds don't ever heal, man, because I still hate them like, like I hated them back then. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I, and it, it felt so good to, uh, to come back and just, like, kind of just take control of that game and it was such a weird comeback, man. <laughs> like they just kind of, they just kind of f- like through sheer force of will and and long limbs and activity, just started pressing the Celtics into mistake after mistake after mistake. And like if you're a Celtics fan and your your former hero coach now turned hero GM Brad Stevens said you didn't need a real point guard, it's like well. <laughs> yeah, the the need of a point guard is pretty obvious for that Celtics team. And, and the funny thing about the comeback is it's not like everything was going their ca- the Cavs way, right? Like I I hate talking refs. I, I usually like to talk oh, about them as a force terrible. of nature. But that was probably the worst officiated game, like from a one sided perspective that I've watched in a while. Like it, it's a shame that if you win your challenge, you can't use a challenge again because the Cavs had call after call go against them down the stretch. Um, no calls on, on the offensive end, guys driving in, into the lane and getting hacked to death, uh, which we've seen this season, but it just wasn't consistent uh, 
on, on both ends of the floor. So the fact that they were able to rise above that adversity to to not get too rattled by the calls, even when a vet like Ricky Rubio gets rattled, you had the young guys helping him out there with Garland and Jetty Osmond embracing him as Jimmy Longo uh, captured so well. Um, but man, it, it was just such a fun game. Um, like it, it wasn't fun to start, but that comeback and, and seeing that on the third game in four nights, which both teams were in that situation, but it was the younger team that that showed the toughness and adversity versus the more veteran Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, it was they were. This just isn't your your dad's Cavs team, man. Uh, this is a you know a team that we've said it a lot. There's so many times where we would have seen them wilt mm-hmm. um, under this kind of adversity, and they shouldn't have won this game. No, they they you know they they. You know, in a way that, like, you know, like just they weren't playing well. The refs weren't um, in their favor. You really felt the lack of offensive punch. Uh, in a way that was really reminiscent of the Raptors game, right? Like right yeah. down to to Garland drawing the the free throws to to ice the game and give them the chance to win, right? Like both of those games are against teams that the Cavs are, are trying to jump in the standings, right? Like I, I understand that. Uh, they're below them right now. A lot of teams are, um, but those are, are teams that that have more experience, that have more depth. And for the Cavs to do this down three of their top eight just continues to astound me. Like it's it's funny, and I, some of the the PTSD from that Washington game kicked in, uh, especially with that Tatum push off, because I, I really feel like that Washington game would have been a Cavs win if when Okoro got undercut, they correctly called a foul there, and he's shooting free throws rather than the wide open three that followed that alone would have changed things forget if Okoro was in there to play defense down the stretch yeah I mean uh, but like I mean I guess what you would probably say is like you know the Cavs have now stolen two games they shouldn't have stolen so oh but I'm getting greedy one, we, get, we could yeah. have had the best record in the east if that yeah. one call goes our way G- given one up you know I think is probably okay they're four and one I believe uh our good friend uh Eustachio Raleigh uh tweeted uh fr- uh old uh fear the sword friend i think he said they're four and one in one possession games so far this year Unbelievable. so you know like i mean i'm trying not to um um uh you know i'm, I'm trying to count my blessings as much <laughs> as possible but it was just such a fun game and i you know it's funny i i checked the box score i couldn't believe jetty was only three of nine that doesn't feel right like he had at least 47 points <laughs> You know what? I It really crystallized when I was watching that Jetty step back three. But my God, did I miss having fans in the crowd. Like, that was definitely a game that I, I don't think you win in an empty gym or, or just the 200-plus the people that they were allowed to have last season. The crowd was so into it. And there's nothing like a Romo Fijo that's fully engaged during a comeback, man. Like, there, there were so many moments that, like, the crowd was just exploding and the energy was nuts. Uh, the, the Jetty step back three was incredible. Um, when Jetty got the steal, dished it down to, to Rubio, who found Mobley streaking through the paint for the dunk that was huge uh rubio's no look lob to allen uh in crunch time like all of those moments were were just so memorable and so much fun and man i i'm this this Cavs team is doing things for me man yeah i mean it just it just seemed like a game that they should i mean well it didn't seem like they shouldn't have won um <laughs> so like just the fact that 
everyone is kind of just picking each other up on this mm-hmm. team right now. You know, like Isaac has had a nightmare couple games and somehow it hasn't killed this team. Everyone's yeah. still engaged. I really felt like Darius had to do the heaviest lifting of his season so far in terms of just generating looks. Because Rubio, Rubio had kind of a weird game uh, scoring. Um, I mean, four of 17 isn't weird. It's just bad. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> but I mean, he did get six free throws and hit a couple threes that helped uh, his efficiency numbers. But like no one really played great except Mobley and Darius. Yeah. But th- but everyone had little bursts of great that like got them over the hump, like Jetty finishing and transition in a way that was really, really impressive mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a play. And, uh, you know, picking off, you know, playing passing lanes, getting a couple steals, a block, um, you know, Rubio with a absolute master stroke uh, oop to Jared Allen, uh, really. And I think that if you really look at that play, uh, Evan Dameral, friend of the pod, a uh, friend of just us, uh, <laughs> tweeted out uh, his view from Media Row. And one, Ricky never looks at Jared at any point on that play. And it's just a masterwork in manipulation. That's like, that's just straight veteran savvy. Yeah. Because Mobley got Schroeder switched on to him. And um, uh, and then, you know, the Celtics are the best team in the league at at tagging people out. Uh, that That is what, something they've always killed the Cavs with, is the Cavs get an advantage. And then all of a sudden, they've got a way better fit on the, on the off-ball mismatch in a second. Mm-hmm. So Ricky knows that. Literally locks eyes with Mobley. Is pointing, gesticulating, telling him to get to a certain spot. Smart goes for the tag out and immediately Ricky no look oops Jared Allen and it's just a it's just a thing of beauty beauty and I love to see that I I do too and and I think a lot of credit needs to go to JB Bickerstaff because you you look at this early season run and how prepared this team is that's on the coaching staff uh, not just JB Bickerstaff but the entire staff and um, the level of buy-in is really evident and e- even from earlier in the season when there were fewer injuries and the Cavs were only going eight deep and we said hey like that that's probably not something that's sustainable you have even more injuries now Colin Sexton out for an undetermined amount of time and someone like Denzel Valentine comes in and yeah he took some Denzel Valentine like shots uh he, he he's never going to be shy to shoot he got a seven threes up um but i thought he played really good defense on jason tatum like i i thought he actually had a real positive impact in the game i wouldn't count on him being a permanent fixture in the rotation in any way but just from that next man up mentality right when you need someone to eat some minutes in your third game in four nights and, and to have valentine come in and do a good job on tatum and, and help kind of be a part of that comeback, I, I think deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, it's uh it's uh funny because he checked in and I went, man, is, is he really giving Valentine the run? I was like, oh wait, he's got nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> like he's uh man man is out of of uh of healthy bodies at the three four at the you know three four swing. Mm-hmm. Uh and if he wants to play nine men, which I like that he's kind of committed to uh, it had to be it had to be a Valentine. Now I do think he stuck with him a little longer than he needed to. Yeah, um, and, and I was surprised Dylan got taken out because I thought Dylan was playing really, really well. Um, but, you know, like the fact of the matter is like, you know, proofs in the pudding plus nine in his 23 minutes. And he was a really valuable minutes eater, especially on a night where Okoro just didn't have it going. You know, mm-hmm. like like you it's hard to play a nine man rotation, keep keep people's minutes down 
on you know in a team like this with as much as many people banged up even worse when you can only play isaac 18 minutes because he's having a really rough offensive game yeah so I mean, it's hard to be uh, upset with any any decisions JB made uh, in a game that they won. They, again, had no business winning. Yeah, and especially because we have no idea who's participating well in practice, who who's earning those minutes in the times that we don't see, right? And I, I mean, from a Dylan Windler standpoint, I thought he played really good team basketball the last two games. But one thing I'm noticing is he's passing up those open threes. Like when he first came in the uh, in his first stretch this season, he was just pulling, right? Like he, he was not shy to take those shots and now this has kind of been a symptom we've seen without the Cavs having uh, consistent penetration from Colin Sexton and whatnot there are times where that kick out pass goes to the perimeter and we just see a little bit too much overpassing right where guys are, are looking to to get the the perfect shot rather than a good shot and I, I think for someone like Dylan Windler if you want to make the most of this opportunity with Sexton out um, you need to be assertive you need to take all of those open shots and and I, I don't know if that factors into the decision making but it is something that that I've noticed these last two games. Yeah, uh, I, 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 you're not wrong. There have been a few times where they've had an advantage, and like I will say, they're not wide open shots. He's typically passing up. No, um, no, because of the fact that the Cavs are so short on people who can really hurt you off the dribble right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like teams are closing out with little extra oomph, um, and. There have been some times where I've really liked the ball movement that the Cavs are uh, are kind of exhibiting, and there's just no openings because because <laughs> yep. teams are playing good smart defense uh, in these last two games uh, where you know you just thought that you were going to have a look, and you know both Boston and Detroit are kind of stocked with big athletic wings mm-hmm. that can cover ground really quickly, and sometimes the opportunities just weren't there. So like I don't know if Windler's been gun shy as much as like. You know, like just knowing the situation they're in, he might have to take some pretty contested ones. Like right. on a on a t- on a crazy a more closeout. selfish. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's passing up wide open looks. I I think he's passing up what would be good looks for him, or at least looks that we saw him take before. So, uh, it, it's not a big criticism. I thought he he played good minutes, but that that's something that I'm keeping my eye on because, I mean, the reality is with Colin Sexton out, this is an interesting opportunity for guys, right? Like it's going to force Darius Garland to be more assertive. I think we've seen that. Um, it's going to force Isaac Okoro to try to expand his offensive game struggles or not um i i think it's important for him to be assertive in these stretches right like if he has an open shot take it if the defense isn't respect respecting your shot and it comes off of good ball movement take it uh i i think the pressing is a little bit much but we saw even in summer league right when evan mobley was asked to do a little too much without the supporting guys around him. He took that experience. He took those struggles and added 13 pounds, really worked on his game and and came into this season in better shape. And and I think understanding, okay, I have to take a bigger role. I'm not ready for it. Uh, You go through those struggles. I I think it helps identify what you need to work on and is good for the long-term growth. Cause ultimately like if Sexton does come back and, and it's not as long 
uh, let's say it's six weeks, which I think we're all hoping that he comes back sooner rather than later. If that's the case, and in that time, Garland becomes a little more assertive, he becomes a little more comfortable. Um, maybe Laurie Markkinen gets going once he's back in the rotation. Evan Mobley finds a, a little more assertiveness as a score. Uh, right now, he's averaging about 20 points per game in his last five, which is absurd. Um, but if all of that happens... I think you get a really good call on Sexton when he comes back because historically speaking, Sexton plays well when Garland's assertive. Sex, well, I, I mean, he scores pretty well uh, all the time, but when Garland had big games, Sexton played well off of him. And, and I think especially with the growth that we've seen him show off ball this year, I, I think adding him into the mix with guys being more comfortable with them being more assertive and having that experience without him, I think that's going to be a huge benefit because we, we saw the inverse of that last season with Garland out where Sexton had the opportunity to work on his playmaking and, and I think it paid real dividends. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think on the Sexton conversation, I want to be a little uh, more aggressive than you're being because mm-hmm. uh, I think there are, there is a subset of of Cavs fans that uh, uh, there, there's a subset of Cavs fans that are, we're sure the team would be much better without him. Mm-hmm. And I think we're pretty comfortable saying that's not true. Yeah, um, of course. I mean, I do think there is some degree of, and, and I was already comfortable saying there, but I was, I did feel like this injury was something of, of a, of a litmus test um, for that take you know mm-hmm. like if he really is empty calories then we really shouldn't feel his absence that much you know yeah. and i definitely have felt his absence these last couple games yes the caps are still winning so like you know you don't want to say like oh they're screwed without him but with that said they're winning in they're having to work really hard for their wins you yeah. know like uh and, and you know you could argue that hey they're playing bigger guys defensively on the wings so their defense has been better the last couple of games i still don't think it's been worth the offensive trade-off that they lose just from a from a bucket getting perspective like there's just so many times in that game last night i was like can we just get a bucket <laughs> like just right. some like it broke the the play broke and we are we're asking people who aren't quite qualified to do it um to to do it so like you know i i definitely am eager to see colin come back and continue because again i don't really think he's been this ball stopping problem for this team this year i've actually loved the way he's been playing for this team this year so like Fr- frankly uh, okoro has stopped the ball more times in, in the last two games than i, I think sexton has all season like well, sexton well, I, was still playing at the same usage that he has in the past this year right like his, his usage rate was still up around 26 percent um he, he was still using a lot of those possessions yeah he doesn't have the, the same playmaking responsibilities with garland and rubio there but he was still getting a lot of touches um but he kept the ball moving right like it all felt like it was within the flow of the offense yeah and like the thing with isaac and you know i know we like to poke fun at the at the dunk don uh boys uh uh but they came up with a, a term i just love which is the record scratch which is mm. offense generates an advantage kicks over to an uh, an offensive player who is not really up to snuff and they just freeze yeah <laughs> and, and, and and the defense resets record scratches and the and the offense has to start all over again lot of record scratches with Isaac um so so it's like like so I I mean and I do think we should have the Isaac discussion I know this is a fun happy podcast but it is worth having because he looks pretty lost out there offensively right now um he is because like 
you would love for it to be one of two things. Either he's too aggressive and needs to settle in to his game, or he's not aggressive enough and he's just letting, you know, he's causing those record scratches by just kind of resetting. And the problem is both right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, it really is. He, he is uh, both stalling the offense when he's not aggressive, and then when he is aggressive, it's been really ugly, Justin. I don't know if he is still recovering from that that hamstring injury. I know those are are big um, athleticism sappers. Yeah. Um. So you know, I, I don't want to push the panic button just yet um, until we're sure he's fully healthy. And, you know, frankly, I mean, he's still a young guy and young guys with limited offensive skill sets have really bad stretches. But with that said, he's he's three months older than Evan Mobley, basically. Right. Like and uh, very few guys come in as polished as Mobley at that age. Yeah. But I will say, I think this is the worst like two, three game stretch of his career so far. Offensively, I I completely agree. I, I I just think he he looks very lost and frustrated you can sense it in his body language. Mm-hmm. He is getting like every time he attacks the lane, it is like it's not just a block; it is a dent the backboard. It got blocked so hard, block. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I will say I'm a little worried about him. Um, but with that, but like I'm not ready to panic yet. I, I do want to give him some time to get through, play through this, make sure he gets fully healthy. But I will. But to that end. The if you if you thought the plan was gonna be Isaac is the new starting two moving forward, that's not happening right now. <laughs> right. And, and and that was always the the big thing that we had with the Sexton thing, right? Like is okay, you feel like maybe he's a second unit guy. Someone has to go there and earn that spot, which hasn't occurred. And I, I think Okoro was playing great defense. I, I think yeah, you, you yeah. look at what he did on, on Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. He'll like, get skinny on screens and um and is and is really working his butt off the whole time. It's just the, if your offense is struggling this hard, it is hard to justify significant minutes once the team is healthy. Yeah, and, and especially I think since they're nine and five, like mm-hmm. you can't if you're trying to win games right now. The the guy's got to kind of get over the hump and perform. And you know, I, I'm rooting for him. I do think that by all accounts, a lot of people thought a breakout year was coming for him, coming from mm-hmm. camp and um and from and from summer league. And every and everyone says he's Sexton esque and how hard he works on his yeah. game and how much he loves basketball. So which is why I'm, I'm not bet- writing him off. I'm, I'm betting he will figure it out. But right now it's a little rough, and the Cavs kind of have to endure his minutes on offense. So when they're playing that starting lineup of Garland, Okoro, Wade, Mobley, and Allen, there's just not a lot of punch yeah. offensively, and they're gonna have to win games on the defensive end. Which is why I'm really curious to see what it looks like when Laurie Markkinen comes back, because the the drop off, like I, I think Wade's played very admirably. Um, he, he's he's doing his thing out there, but the drop off from Laurie to Wade is rather steep, right? And yep. and I think when you get that punch of a Laurie Markkinen, it might allow a Coro to settle into a, a role he's more comfortable with. Um, I, I think uh, another thing that deserves to be shout out with uh, Okoro is one of the kind of complementary skills that we were hoping 
would develop with him appears to, which is the fact that he's rebounding well. Uh, he was not a good rebounder as a rookie, and the fact that he's actually going out there and securing some of those boards, I think, is important, uh, especially for how poor this team has been uh, <laughs> rebounding the ball this season. Um, but I, I totally agree. Like It, it feels like he, he's pressing. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be the confidence. The, the jumper looks a little flatter than usual. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how this progresses because, yeah, I, I think it's a, a really good experience ultimately like if if this was a season where we had like championship aspirations i'd be panicking and saying okay maybe we need to to find a temporary solution uh with sexton out at shooting guard but i i mean this is still about development right like these guys getting those reps figuring out what they can and can't do what they need to work on that's all really really important because but uh, but the thing is the the more games you win justin the less it becomes about development I I don't necessarily I, agree. I, I, I mean, really don't. I, whether you season. agree or not, I don't know if JB will agree because <laughs> the man's like, I'm on a roll. Mm-hmm. Like, and he did it last night. He said, Isaac, it's not your night. 18 minutes. Well, I, I still think that that's important. Like, I'm not saying you're playing him tw- 36 minutes, no matter yeah. how he's playing. Yeah, I don't right? think either of you are. I don't think either of us are saying he should leave the rotation. Right, right. I, I, I'm just saying, like, w- the the accountability, that internal competition, that's all really positive because despite how sometimes the, the conversation online can go, these guys aren't actually competing with one another. There, there's more than enough minutes for everybody and mm-hmm. the, the development of the group. Like, uh, let me ask you this, Carter. When you bench someone in fantasy, when, when you bench a receiver in fantasy, are you hoping that guy has a bad game or a good game? Like, do you want that to justify your decision by that guy having a bad game? Or do you want him to play well? So you're like, you know what? When I do go to him in the future, I feel good. I'm a grown up, so the latter. If, <laughs> if, if you want your, if you're mad that your bench players are playing well, you're an idiot. You should be mad at your starters for not playing well. <laughs> See, I still sometimes revert to. I, I don't want this guy on the, my bench to go off because then I'm going to feel like a big idiot. And that that's an impulse I know I have to fight because that is by far the stupider way to approach that. But you know what? Sometimes it happens. And I, and I think that that can occur uh, with the, the development of young players, right? Like we, we feel like there there's only so many reps. There's only so many touches. So uh, when Sexton's out, you, you want Okoro to play really well and you want there to be some correlation when at the end of the day, like these guys are competing with themselves, right? Like Darius Garland right now is competing with his natural tendencies to to pass the ball, right? Uh, Isaac Okoro is trying to find that balance. Like they're not in competition with one another. They are trying to take that next step in their careers. And when they do that, it benefits the collective. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I do think culturally that is the case right now. I don't, I think everyone's just trying to be the best version of their, themselves on this team and trying to find their way to minutes. Uh, and, you know, like, and speaking of that, you know who's finding the best versions of themselves? Ooh, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland Carter. It's looking awfully leapy in here. Uh, over their last five games, Evan Mobley is averaging 19.6 points, 7.4 rebounds, over two assists, almost two blocks, 59% from the floor, 43% from three, shooting three a game. Garland, almost 20 points per game, six assists, over a steal a game. from the floor, 43% from three, shooting seven threes a game. 
those two have been balling out and, and I just can't say enough about Evan Mobley. Like the assertiveness that he's showing and like the improvement he makes game from game and, and the way that he capitalizes on opportunities, the juice he's showing as a scorer is absurd. This should not be happening this early in his career. And, and I think even an optimist like myself has to say, holy crap, is this guy ahead of schedule? He is really um, the aggressiveness. Causing you to the- yawn? Yeah, stop. It's in the morning. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, it is the aggressiveness um, and and the fearlessness with the way he attacks is really exciting. I mean, that pull-up jumper uh, over Robert Williams – Ooh. the 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 18 footer or so that he that he hit uh going straight into Tatum's chest for a po- post up that's not an easy <laughs> bucket you know like Tatum's definitely stronger than Evan Mobley right now um and he just plays with a lot more like nasty than i thought like he has a bit of an attitude offensively you know like he's got um i i i just kind of thought we were getting like Jaron Jackson Jr., to be honest, like a guy who floats a little more than what we get. He's very intentional with what he does on the offensive end of the ball, and it really forces defenses to kind of bend to him as opposed to him being just a supplementary piece. I thought we were going to get a play finisher much more than a play starter early in his career, and then summer league happened, and the handle wasn't really there. And by the way, it still really isn't there. It's not really the way he's scoring. Right. Um. And and I was like, okay, well, he's just going to be a lob threat in a spot-up guy, a pick-and-popper, and he is just really getting good at finding those spots to attack. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really encouraging for his long-term future because – you know, every, you know, the whole book on Mobley was he's not probably in a, a one on a championship team. He's probably the, you know, the best version of a number two. And when you see him attacking like this, you go, maybe he's just a one, you yeah. know, <laughs> like maybe he's just a one, 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 one. And uh, when when you have that on your team as a rookie and a guy who's just fearless like that and still playing in control, still paying, playing at the right pace, he's never rushed it's just hard not to glow about it because it it's just so uncommon. Yeah. And who knows? Like maybe he's not going to be the leading scorer on that type of a team, but you can absolutely see how he'd be in that mix, right? That, that he can be, uh, the, the potential is there for him to be a dominant offensive player. And it's funny because so many of the kind of the swing hypothetical traits that we said with Mobley are already apparent, right? Like uh, the, the fact that he is able to score in this way, that uh, just how good his defense is without fouling and having that transition to the NBA, like that is absurd. Uh, um, yeah, there, there are still some things he needs to work on. Uh, he is hilariously bad at, at setting screens at this point. I, I think that's why you see a lot of kind of double drag action where he slips and Allen is setting the real screen. Um, and, and there are still times, actually, both he and Allen, um, I, I think sometimes are a little loose with the ball. Their their hands aren't great in transition. Uh, I think Garland and Mobile or Garland and uh, Rubio. Uh, have at least one or two turnovers a game that are basically giving the ball to uh, Mobley or Allen, and and they just kind of bobble that pass. Um, But with all that being said, this guy is so ahead of schedule. He's already better than a Jaron Jackson Jr., um it's it's looking scary just how damn good he is and uh i gave the the hot take 
Uh, and this, the listeners of the podcast will know how much this means coming from me, but I, I genuinely think that he is the best rookie that the Cavs have drafted since LeBron. And I, I think Kyrie is a first ballot hall of famer. He's my favorite player to watch ever. Um, yeah, yeah, everyone knows better. It's dude. He's like, Duncan ask, man. He's done. He's Duncan ask. And, and when Kyrie came into the NBA, like obviously there wasn't the same supporting cast that, that Mobley's coming into and whatnot. Um, and that's what made like his offensive output so impressive, right? Like the polish he showed as a rookie was absurd. Mobley is showing offensive polish while also being all defensive team good. Like this should not be possible. And it's even harder to imagine at this position, like this position historically comes with a larger learning curve and the fact that he is picking things up every single game this dude's a supercomputer that that's the only explanation right like this, this is a guy that was obviously coached incredibly well coming up uh it probably helps to have his his dad being a coach uh drilling him of everything that he needs to learn what reads to make uh he's apparently an animal in the film room and whatnot uh he and darius garland are are close friends off the floor already i love that um like everything seems to be hitting with him right now and and this just it it could be a more fun time to be a Cavs fan like this is already been one of my most enjoyable seasons i yeah it's it's hard to think of a time i've had more fun than this um on a night-to-night basis because it's still in the honeymoon period and this is something and we've said this a lot we didn't get to have this with the Kyrie Cavs. no we didn't get to have this year we had Le- we had the lebron ascendant so up to you know 2007 was amazing Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that year where they, you know, all of a sudden were in the finals was like, whoa, that was, a, you know, that was a, a true, like, unexpected rise. Yeah. And then from there, the pressure was on. And then LeBron leaves and they're terrible. Then they're finally starting to build up some, some, some young folks, though. I mean, I'm not quite sure where that was going. But then they immediately get LeBron and trade for Kevin. And then the pressure's back on again immediately. Right. Like, like the Cinderella year will always be the most fun year, guys. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, I want to, we've said this a few times and I, and you know, I don't love telling fans how to fan, but some unsolicited advice <laughs> is have some fun, make sure you're having fun right now, because I can tell you right now, other than winning the title, this is the most fun it is to be a fan, in my opinion. When your I, I team totally is agree. is better than it should be, and they're catching everyone off guard, and you're starting to fall in love with some of these players uh, that you know that you've been kind of investing in the past couple years, mm-hmm. and you're falling and you fall and you're falling in love with the team's culture and their vibes, and there's not this cloud of expectations hanging over them. So I hope that everyone is having as much fun as we are right now, because like it's funny we can wring our hands about Isaac or about Colin's future or whatever. But like, I hope that that's always like in the background because up Mm -hmm. front is a team that clearly loves each other. Yeah. Clearly is building that culture. I mean, they're, they're freaking barking at half court after they (laughs) went, after they win a game. I'm sure the Celtics were like, Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) You know, they they are, uh, they are young, they are talented. And like, it just, this is, this is the time where the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I cannot over over state just how much fun this has been 
as a Cavs fan. Yeah, and, and to me, the, the most fun part, too, is that it's coming within the larger context of, okay, this is still a team that owns all their future picks. They have a bunch of young guys that are nowhere close to their ceilings right now. Like Garland's 21, Mobley's 20, Sexton's 22, Okoro's 20. Like Jared Allen is a top 10 center and he's 23 years old. Like we might have franchise players at the point guard power forward and center position. Like that's very possible if these guys continue on their current trajectory and that is not even uh factoring in colin sexton who was scoring like an all-star last season who historically has played really well off of darius garland um like th- this is a really really good position to be in and the upside of what this core can be is really exciting and the wins early in this season are great but i, I i'm not really letting it shift the expectations for me too too much like i i I still like my, my hopes and feelings are beyond this year, right? Like if they uh, end up getting the nine seed and that's kind of the, the turnout of this season and uh, you get a late lottery pick or whatever the case may be with, with that nine seed, assuming you don't win the play in um, like, I'm still going to consider that a, a successful yeah, season. That, that's still a, so it's one of those things where I think that there it's kind of two conversations, isn't it? Like it's what defines a successful season and like what like what is there a do proof we of concept like, for the long like, term right but but then there's also like we've now seen some real signs of the heights this team could get to this season yeah so it's like i you know it, i don't think it's on the verge it's on the verge of me changing yeah. some expectations for myself personally and you look at this upcoming stretch which i'll just rattle off for you so boston brooklyn golden state brooklyn phoenix orlando thank goodness Dallas, Miami, Washington, Utah, Milwaukee, Chicago. That is a brutal, 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 brutal 12-game stretch. Uh, I think the only positive thing you can say about it is a lot of those are coming at home, uh, at least over this next two weeks uh, to to close out this month. Um, But that is just awful. Like, here's the the upside, by the way. If they go four and eight in that stretch, if they steal two games they shouldn't win, Mm mm-hmm. They are 13 and 13. Yeah. And that's why this stretch was so important. Yeah. That's why this nine and five start is massive because the like to get to nine and five is absurd. When you look at the schedule that they went through to get here, when you factor in the guys that they're missing, if they are 500 uh, after the, this next 12 game stretch, that is huge. Like, I, I think at that point, you start talking about playoffs versus play in. Because um, at that point, like, you're going to have one of the easiest schedules the rest of the way. You're, you're going to get progressively healthier. Uh, you're going to see internal pr- improvement throughout the year. So th- that's what this next 12-game stretch is. Like, as you said, if they go 4-8, and eight, that is huge. If they do better than that, oh, my goodness. Like, we are uh, we are going to be arrogant. We are going to be out of control. And it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I, I I have highlights from the game on if you're watching YouTube and I, I just I, I know this is not on topic, but that jetty transition layup was oh. perhaps the most skilled move of his career. <laughs> that was insane. <laughs> I was like, there is no chance this is going in. <laughs> I, I've got to say, it, it's kind of fun 
for Jetty to go from being asked to do way too much for multiple years to kind of finding his footing and finding that perfect role with this team because I I mean we we loved rooting for Jetty right like it, it was yeah. a lot of fun and, and he's someone and that we felt not could fun and that stunk yeah it got not fun and, and he's someone that can contribute and, and the funny thing too is he's showing you what you can do when you have a wing that is capable of shooting and initiating a little bit of offense you, you the highlights just show that Jason Tatum push off that wasn't called uh so my my blood is boiling once again because uh my god did they get every single call um but yeah when it comes to jetty like just having a guy that is capable of putting the ball on the floor hitting some shots can run the odd pick and roll or two um like it's such an advantage to this team and it's not like he does it at a super super high level but you just see with with the talent that they have at the other positions having somebody with that skill set makes such a big difference just enough and at six eight, just enough of that skill is enough, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, Ime Udoka after the game said that they were looking to pick on Jetty and he him getting the stop and in like in not like and not a fake stop either. You know, it wasn't one of those, well, he got cooked where the guy's having to miss the shot. Right. Like he was in Dennis Schroeder's grill. Um, and it, it was just really, really, it, it's just really encouraging to see, man. Cause like, mm-hmm. again, like that's why you take swings on athletic six, eight wings that yeah. show some, some shooting because they don't have their margin for error is so huge. You know, mm-hmm. like you look at a guy like with Darius's build, he has to be as good as he is to get away with being his size. Oh, can we talk you know about him I mean? cooking Marcus Smart? Like, yes, we absolutely can. Yes. Cooking him. Ooh. Ooh. And Ooh. and Smart somehow was like trying to say he didn't foul him. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? But, you know, like, but Jetty, you know, all he has to do is be okay at shooting, okay mm-hmm. at finishing, okay at creating. And like being a C plus or a B minus at eight NBA skills is yeah. a really useful seventh eighth man yeah uh, at, at his size so it's just been fun he's been easy he was easy to root for then he got hard to root for you could even sense that the team was getting frustrated with him his the other players in the roster you could kind of feel that when he kind of freelance <laughs> and larry was giving him the death stares that are now uh being directed at cj mccollum yes. uh, with a hilarious frequency <laughs> yes and like so like him kind of going back to kind of being the guy that everyone's rallying around because he can provide those energy players plays and, and, and pick off a, a pass and take it, to, take it from end to end to set up an easy bucket for the Cavs or hit a three coming off curl. It's just fun, man. It's yeah. just fun. I know we're abusing that word on this podcast, but I can't help oh, it. No, dude, that, that is, <laughs> like, that is the entire story. The Cavs are fun. Right. And, and even like both Jetty Osman and Kevin Love, like the, the fact that both of them settled into roles this year and have been positive contributors. Like I, I like those connections to the last era, right? Like I, I, I like how, having those on the roster and hopefully uh kevin love can come back soon uh was on the bench the last boy do they need him yeah well i mean he was on the bench the last two games which i i think just his presence in the building caused al horford not to play which uh you know uh (laughs) sometimes those uh old wounds heal very very slowly um but i I guess with him being in the building means that he's at least had the negative tests and it's at the uh cardio slash respiratory test phase of returning I, that's also unclear um but yeah uh, i well it based on his uh his instagram posts i do think like he kind of insinuated he had symptoms like finally mm-hmm. feeling myself again yeah and stuff like that so 
uh, Get, I was getting him back then, for Monday would be so huge. And, and but the if second not, he by posted Wednesday. that, the second he posted that, my expectation for Kev for the first few games went way down. Like, like it, like oh it, yeah, it's going to be. We a, know it's what be a COVID has done to some of these players, uh, uh, and and how hard it's been for them uh, to to come back when they've had serious symptoms. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like really gently let Kevin you know, integrate his way back in. They're doing okay without him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I hope Lori's coming back soon too, man. Cause like, that's the thing you get those two guys back. All of a sudden you're not needing to play Denzel Valentine 26 minutes. You, you've uh, got a little more juice offensively they're, and you got some experience. For error. Their margin for error just really grows. It really, really does. And I, I think Laurie Markin in particular, um, like it's such a bad timing because I, I thought he was really finding his footing those last two games, the the Phoenix and Charlotte game. But we're we're getting to that point where hey, these guys might be returning the lineup and uh, can help uh, replace uh, uh, what some of what Sexton can bring by committee, right? Like you're not going to have anyone that can really penetrate like Sexton outside of maybe Darius Garland. Um, but uh, even then, right, like they're doing it in different ways. And uh, having that guy that can just get you a bucket against a set defense is such an advantage. And, and I mean, this is another great example. Like we will tweet out a bunch of like lineup stats and all sorts of combinations because we find it interesting. But you also have to be really careful because doing something in 16 minutes with Sexton on the bench and having positive results is different than doing it for 48, right? Like you can't just extrapolate those numbers because basketball doesn't work that way. Um, And and I think that's a really, really important thing to keep in mind. And you know what? Hopefully at the end of this, the the Cavs find ways to to win without Sexton. Um, You get Garland to be a little more assertive. Maybe Laura gets comfortable. Like guys make progress. And Sexton comes back where people have more of an appreciation of what he does bring to the table, right? Like, I, I think that this uh, this could be a really healthy growing experience, both from the team and also the the fan base that uh, I think still has a, a few too many scars and, and emotional baggage when it, when it comes to some of these players. Like, uh, I, I think healing some of those wounds w- would be one of my hopes uh, for the season. Well, you know, I, I mean, uh, as we've said, winning cures everything and right now the team's winning i think it's going to be really challenging um uh, in this upcoming stretch but Mm -hmm. man like if they clear this hurdle i just even at even if they go somehow against all odds go sit five and seven or six and six it's like i just don't even know what i'll do with myself you know i keep i keep setting i kind of keep putting these these like barriers up like to protect my heart (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm definitely they, doing that at this point like ah, oh, well you know they're gonna this stretch is gonna be tough and oh if they beat boston i'm gonna lose my if they do that and then they just keep doing it so like it's like getting to the point where like i'm not while i while i don't expect this 12 game stretch to go well mm-hmm. like I have this little nugget in the back of my brain that goes, but whatever it does. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like this 12-game stretch looks like hell, and then you look at the previous 12 games and wins over Atlanta, Denver, Clippers, Charlotte, Portland, Toronto, New York, uh, almost beating Washington, beating Boston. Like they have 
more quality wins this year than I think they've had in the last three already. Uh, so that potential is what really excites me. And the reality is like Rubio is such a floor raiser. Mobley and Allen are so good defensively that it's going to keep you in a lot of games. And it's something that's tough for teams to adjust to, right? Like teams don't typically change their game plan in the regular season because you're playing three, four games in a week, right? Like you, you can't adapt your strategy uh, to the regular season just because one team has weird personnel, right? So uh, they're, they're going to catch teams off guards and maybe you can steal a game or two here. So I, I'm really excited for this. I'm a little heartbroken and, and I got to break this to the audience. I will be away for this next week. Uh, this will be our, our one podcast for this week. Uh, Sorry, guys. To, to, to peel back the curtain a little bit, life has been a, a little challenging for me lately. So I am getting a much needed uh, vacation, redoing uh, my, my wife's 30th birthday in Cancun. Carter, you will have a podcast with a guest uh, the, the following weekend to recap this coming week. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I can't even backfill you this week because I'm. I'm on a I'm on the road for work. So sorry guys. I know this is like the most hype time it is to be a Cavs fan right now. So only giving you a one pod week, I know it uh, sucks, but uh you know, it also hurts for me because I I, yeah. I, I want to be talking Cavs. Like I, I could do this like daily at this point. Um yeah, but li- life gets in the way sometimes, guys. So we'll we'll be back to give you all the all the appropriate coverage uh, and we'll I'll try to give us get us some cool guests yeah. uh, while while Justin's out for next week. Yeah, so you'll be potting on Sunday. And and the nice thing is we have a big stretch of the Cavs actually having three days off between uh, Thursday and Monday. So uh, I think you will have a podcast on Sunday uh, heading into that second Brooklyn game. And then I will be back and and we will be back together on Thursday recapping those Brooklyn and Phoenix games. So we're actually not missing uh, (laughs) that many games here. Uh, So it might be ideal timing there. But uh, just to to loop you guys in and let you know uh, what's going on there. Yeah, and uh, and again, uh, just want to thank everyone for for listening. You know, we're at 150 plus in the live uh, room Ooh. right now uh, on on 10 o'clock on a Sunday <laughs> on, on a That's, Browns game day. Ho- hopefully, Cleveland uh, can, can sweep that those New England bastards, uh, both with a, a Browns win as well as a Boston win yeah, uh, so, or a so win over Boston on Monday. You know, I just, I, we just want to thank everyone for, for supporting the pod and listening. And, you know, we, we feel the excitement around this team, just looking at our numbers, looking at the amount of people who are in, engaging in the chat. And it's, it's really, really fun. You know, we've just, uh, I mean, not to tangent too much longer, but like, well, while the team was really struggling, Justin, we were just like, let's just keep doing it. Let's keep grinding. Let's get, get the pod as good as we can. Cause once this team's good again, people are going to be ready to flock back. And mm-hmm. right now it, it feels like the beginnings of that. So uh, I know that there's going to be some rough times ahead for this team. It's not always going to be peaches and cream, but right now the the excitement is mutual between the fan base, between us, between uh, even within the team, you can tell. So it, it's just really, really fun. We got some dogs, Carter. We finally woof, got woof. an organic young core that's worth caring about. I, I could not be more excited. Shouts out to Kobe Altman and shouts out to all of our listeners. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, click the notification bell uh, so that you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, do what we always ask you to do, which is leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Town's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to Chase Town Pod 
at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Kings.